listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Um, All right, let's jump in. Um, If you haven't shared it, share it. Jamie said, I live in Pompano. Hopefully I'm in the hospital, out of the hospital from COVID in time to get their brother. Would love to have you. Would love to have you. Um, <laughs> that's actually true. AJ, that's, that's great. That is really great uh, logic. AJ said, I literally have to come like a foot closer to you to bump your elbow than I would to shake your hand. It's an excellent point. Once again, ha- highlighting how there's no logic in any of this. Um, And people seem to be worried. You know, there's people that are even worried about what's going to be coming up here, you know, in the next couple of months, the next, the rest of this year. Don't be worried. Don't be worried. And today um, on this broadcast, I'm going to give you five reasons from scripture that you do not need to worry, that you don't need to be worried. And uh, I'll give you scripture for it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to break it down. And um, maybe you've never thought about it in this way from some of these verses, but I want to break it down for you and show you why you do not need to worry. Don't worry. Be at peace. Be at peace. And I'll tell you why. Hopefully you've got something wonderful to drink as I do. Thanks to Tiffany Farley. This coffee is wonderful. It is absolutely wonderful. I just ordered a ton of coffee from Texas yesterday, more than any person ever should, but it's coming in the mail. Um, Let's go first to John chapter one, verse one. Again, today we're talking about uh, five Bible reasons that you don't need to be worried, that you don't need to worry. Um, And we're going to deal with these, break them down one by one. I'm going to start in um, John chapter one. God bless you from Ethiopia. Um, Tesfaye, good to have you on. Um, John 1, 1, probably one of my favorite verses of scripture in the entire Bible. Literally, I, um, I've outlined some notes. I may write a book, even if it's a mini book, I may write a book just on John 1, 1. It's that powerful. There's that much to say about it. It's, it's literally that, it's that powerful. Uh, but John 1, 1 uh, John is getting ready to, he's building his, his theology about Jesus Christ, his whole book, uh, where he, he gives, um, you know, by the way, I'm sure if you read the Bible, you know, that, um, John is a completely different gospel from the other three, which seem to follow each other or be similar to each other. They're called the synoptic gospels. John's gospel is different. It's completely different. And, um, and it's, it's, I love how it points to the deity of Christ And, um, all of those Gnostics and Arians and whoever else may have been creeping into the church at the time were given a smack in the face by the gospel of John. And, uh, in the very first verse, he starts to outline, uh, his theology about Jesus. And so I want to start there and we're going to give you these five reasons. I want you to take notes and, um, I want you to, I want you to put these in the, in the comment section as well, because it'll help people. Those of you listening on the podcast Thanks for listening. I really appreciate you subscribing to the podcast. It means a lot to me. Um, the number one reason that we'll start with today, 
why you don't need to worry, don't need to be worried, is that you have an eternal word. That, that's the first thing I want you to see. You have an eternal word. And I'm going to break down what I mean by that. Um, you guys probably heard me tell the story of when I was in Canada preaching in, uh, in Ontario. And I was asking the Lord, what do you want me to preach to your people uh, tonight? What do you want me to say? And I heard the Lord say, well, open to John chapter one, and I'll show you what to preach tonight. I'll show you. And so I opened, I said, all right, Lord, what is it? He said, start reading aloud and I'll show you exactly what I want you to preach. So I started to read in the beginning was the word and God said, stop and just preach that. That's literally, he said, stop there and only preach that. And so I said, just that phrase in the beginning was the word. That's all I preached that night. Went on to preach for like two hours on those words in the beginning was the word six words that took two hours to get out in, in message form. But really what he was wanting to, uh, wanting me to preach was the fact that we have an eternal word, a pre-existent word. You may have heard me use that term before a pre-existent word. You know, Jesus Christ did not begin existing when he was born in the flesh. The Bible tells us he was in the beginning with God. He has no beginning and he'll have no end. He is the alpha and he's the omega. Jesus Christ is eternal. He is the word and he is God. So one of the things I want you to see from the, from the top is that you've got access to an eternal word. And the thing that, uh, and I'll, I'll kind of go back over this for you. It, the thing that gets me so excited about that one thought is that before you had a problem, you had a solution that right there is that'll shake you. Think about that before you had a problem, you had a solution. I mean, I want you to put that in the comments along with, I have an eternal word before I had a problem. I had a solution. This word that we have is so eternal. It's so it, it, it predates, it preexists everything, literally everything. And you know how I know, because if you keep reading in John one, uh, verse three tells us all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. So understand, and this, by the way, debunks anything that, uh, you know, a Jehovah's witness would tell you, you know, God, Jesus is not a God, an exalted being. He is God. There is, and this shows it, you know, that people will try to teach you, well, you know, God created Jesus later in time. No, because John 1, 3 tells us that all things that were created were created through him. <laughs> so what did he create himself through himself? That doesn't even make sense. He existed from the beginning. And the thing that's so powerful about that is that before there, not only before you had a problem, I mean, that's powerful in and of itself. Think of that before you had a problem you had a solution. You have an eternal word. And I love this because if you think about it, before there was ever sickness that attacked your body, you had a word of healing over your body because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. And so before you had sickness that attacked your body, 
You had a word of healing that was spoken over you by the eternal word, the preexistent word. So think about this. Your word of healing preexisted the attack of sickness that came against your life. That, that ought to make you shout, man. That's powerful right there. Before, listen to this, before there was an attack of depression that came against your mind or anxiety or worry, listen, you had a word of joy, peace, see what I mean? That comfort, that word that came over you, it existed before there was an attack of depression or fear or anxiety. It pre-exists everything. But let me go on further with it because if you really want to get shouting and running around your house or your office or wherever you're at, don't run around in your car if you're driving on the interstate. But um, <laughs> think of this, before, not just before there was sickness sent against you, not just before there was disease, not just before there was depression, but think of this, before there was a devil, man, and you think about the fact that God, who knows all things, knows all things. He's not locked inside of time. He's not locked inside of time. He's eternal. He's still at the beginning. He's already at the end. He knows the end from the beginning. He's an eternal God. Before there was even a devil, man, hallelujah. Before there was even a devil, you had a solution for anything the devil would do. Let me say this, before, before an angel was even created to become Satan, before there was a Lucifer who was an angel, you had a word. But think about this, angels are created beings. Angels are created beings. The word existed before angels existed. I mean, there's nothing that predates the word. And here's the powerful thing. You've got access to that eternal word, which is now part of your covenant. You have a covenant with the word of God. I love this because you know what the Bible says. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Let me read that real quick. That's verse 14, by the way. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. <laughs> Man, that makes me excited to hear that. It's powerful to know that the word came in a flesh body. Thank you, Jesus. Do you ever wonder why it was possible for Jesus to speak a word and it would change everything instantly? Why? He was the word in a flesh body. It was the word releasing the word. That's why he was so blown away at the Roman centurion in Matthew chapter eight, when the Roman centurion said, you don't have to come to my house and pray for my servant. Speak the word only, hallelujah, and my servant will be healed. Hey, Silas, hey, Lauren. And so understand this, speak the word only and my servant will be healed. And he said, hold on a second. You're not Jewish. You're not even Jewish. And you believe me more 
than my own people believe me. He said, I've not seen faith as great as this, as this in all of Israel. It's blowing Jesus' mind at that moment. And he spoke the word only. What, what, what just happened? The word in flesh body released the word. So that servant, think about it, because it was always, it was always there from eternity. That servant gained access to a word that existed before his palsy. Because that's what he was dealing with, palsy. And if you understand John 1, that servant just gained the manifestation of a word that was spoken or, or released or that existed before palsy was ever a disease, before palsy was ever at work in the earth, before there was an earth, before there was a devil sending palsy, before there was an angel that could be made into a devil that could send palsy, the word existed. And one of the things that's powerful, the reason, one of the reasons you don't need to worry is because you also have access to that eternal pre-existent word. God doesn't have to do something new to bless you. See, that's the mistake I think we make is that we see all the things going on in the world and we think that somehow God has to do something new to counteract what the devil is attempting on the earth. Somehow God has to be reactionary. God's not reacting to the devil. He doesn't have to react. Let me ask you a question. Why would an omnipotent and omniscient being ever have to react to anything? Because if you know all things, past, present, and future, you're not reacting to anything. You already know what's going to happen. In fact, the Bible teaches us God decreed many things. So why would God have to react to what the devil was doing? He's not reacting. He already has a plan to bless you. He already has a plan. Let me, let me uh, show you something real quick that'll stir you up along this exact same line. It's in John 6. Just turn five chapters over. Crispin is watching from Kenya. Exactly, Bethany. Reacting implies that God is surprised by something, and he's not surprised by anything. That's why I had such an issue with the song, Reckless Love. Because in order for something to be reckless, it means that you would have had to do something without knowing what the outcome would be and really not caring what the outcome would be, right? And so ju just to do this, because, you know, it still bothers me. Listen to this, reckless of a person or their actions without thinking or caring about the consequences of an action. You're telling me that when God sent Jesus to the world, he did it recklessly, reckless love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So you're telling me God gave Jesus to the world without thinking about or caring about the consequences of that action. Because I'm, I was under the impression from reading the Bible that Jesus Christ is the incorruptible seed of the word that he was sent 
for a purpose. And the purpose was to redeem man from their sin, to purchase them back and to be the firstborn of many brethren, the Bible says. That he would not be the only one raised from death unto life, he would only be the first raised from death unto life. So if that's the case, how in the world could it be reckless or without caring or knowing the consequences or action of the actions? That's foolishness. That's straight up emotionalism and foolishness. Jesus was sown by God as a seed into the world because God was interested in a harvest of his own people. Reckless love. That's foolishness, straight up foolishness. And the thing I wanted you to see about that is that God has a plan. He's not forming his plan as the time goes along. He's not, oh, the devil did that. Well, then let's do this. Oh, demons did that. Then let's do this. God doesn't operate that way. God doesn't work that way. He already knows. He already knows. He's not taken by surprise by some demonic action. That's foolishness. But the thing that stirs me up, if you go to John 6, you know the story. It's the story of Jesus getting ready to feed 5,000 men plus the women and the children. And I love this, uh, this passage because as you'll see, um, this one verse cracks me up in John six, Jesus is out in the wilderness. Um, and the people, a large crowd was following him out into the wilderness to hear him teach. Notice the question that he asked because he's always interested in caring for his people. He said in uh, verse five, Um, where can we buy bread so that these people may eat? His desire was to take care of those that were following him. It's still his desire today. Where can we buy bread so that these people may eat? And I love this. Look at verse six. This is exactly like God. He said this to test Philip for he himself knew what he would do. John 6, 6 ought to blow your mind because Jesus in his God nature, he already had a plan. He already knew how he was going to provide. He already knew what he was going to do. He didn't need the wisdom of Philip. He didn't need the help of the disciples. He was leading them. He was teaching them something. He was showing them. Let's see where your faith is at, Philip. Where are we going to get bread to feed all these people? Look at Philip's response. Well, Lord, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get even a little. You know what he's saying there? If we worked for days, worked for months, for weeks, oh, we would. And Philip wasn't there. He wasn't at the level of Jesus. Jesus knew what he was going to do. He knew he was going to multiply the bread and the fish. He knew it. He didn't need... Philip to give him a word. Oh, Philip, let's confer, get the other disciples around. I'd like to get the consensus. What do you think? Nope. Jesus knew, you know why he's the word made flesh. He knew what he was going to do. And the first reason that you don't need to worry is because Jesus Christ is the word that's eternal. You have had access to an eternal word now that predates any problem that predates any issue. If you don't think God knew how the devil was going to try to attack your life, then we're saying he's not an omniscient God. 
We're saying that he doesn't know what's going to happen in the future. You, you know, it's like open theism, which is ridiculous. You know, there's, there's these open theists that believe God has limited knowledge, that he's like watching men's uh, free will unfold the future and he doesn't know what's going to happen because there's so many options with free will. It's foolishness. God knows. He knows the end from the beginning. He's not surprised. God's not surprised. He's not shaken. He knows and he's got a plan to help you. He's got a plan uh, to bless you, to heal you, to deliver you. And so you shouldn't be worried. Don't be worried about whatever might be going on in your life currently or what things that you may fear are coming down the pike in the future. Don't be afraid of what you think may be happening in this nation or other nations in the world at large. Don't allow yourself to fall into uh, fear or worry about that. Because understand something, once again, if you're in the family of God, if you're a part of God's family, then God's already got a plan to bless you. He's already got a plan to touch you. And look, look at this. He gave us this written word. Amen. Gave us this written word. Hey, VNA. And so I want you to understand it. This written word is the most powerful force. I say it often in the universe. And so he didn't just give us Christ, who's the eternal word. He gave us this written word, which carries more power than anything in the entire universe. The Bible says that God has exalted his word, magnified his word above his name. Hallelujah. One translation says that his word is backed up by the power of his name. Let me read that to you. That his word is backed up by the power of his name. Psalm 138 verse two says, I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and faithfulness, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Or the other translation here from the Hebrew, or you have exalted your word above all your name. Glory to God. That word is exalted. It's full of power. That's why you can speak the word and things have to change. And so God's given you the power to speak the word, to have the word. You've got access to an eternal word. Don't be worried. Don't be fearful. Don't be anxious. You've got the word. You've got a word over your life and it's eternal. It's not like any other religious book. This book is not like the Quran. It's not like anything that you've ever seen on the earth before. It's living. It's alive. You know, Jesus said that in John 6, 63, he said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. This whole book is spiritual life for every one of us. All right. That's number one, that you've got a word that existed from the beginning. Um, now number two, you have, and I want you to put it in the comments. You have an advantage which is the Holy Ghost. Put it in the comments section. I have an advantage, or you could write, I have a Holy Ghost advantage. I've got a Holy Ghost advantage. So you don't just have access to the word. God said, that's not, I'm not gonna just leave you with the word. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna fill you up 
This is number two now. I'm going to fill you up with the same spirit (laughs) that raised Christ from the dead. You know, if we would just be aware, I, I wish people would take the time, meditate. You know, we get the, that word meditate gets a bad rap. Gets a bad rap, man. Thanks to new age philosophy. Oh, meditation. You're into meditation. Yes, I'm into meditation because the Bible tells me I should be into meditation. (laughs) I should meditate on these things day and night. Meditate on them. And I wish people would meditate on the fact that the same exact spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of your body. Hallelujah. That same exact spirit, not a little piece of it, not a portion of it. The spirit of God dwells inside of your physical body. Romans 8, 11. So we know that we've got the eternal power of God, the breath of God, the wind of God, literally dwelling in our bodies. Did you know that Paul wrote and said to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he had to remind them. He said, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? He lives in you. He dwells and makes his home in you. Literally, when you walk around, you're walking around carrying the actual power of heaven inside of your body. (laughs) I mean, that's huge. Do you know what Paul also wrote to the Corinthians? We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's our bodies, our flesh bodies. He said inside of our flesh bodies, we have a treasure. Glory to God. (laughs) That stirs me up, man. Treasure in earthen vessels. Hmm. So if you think of it that way and you understand my physical body, this isn't some ethereal thing because people think that, you know, the Holy ghost is in heaven or Jesus is in heaven or God's in heaven. And we got to somehow beg like victims. I need help. Send help. Like it's old Testament. We're waiting for the Calvary to come. Calvary already came and you are filled. He's not far from you. He's not away. You don't have to call him into you to where you are. Oh Lord, send help. Send the power. of God. No, he's in you all the time. The Holy ghost is in you all the time. Your body is filled with that spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead. Well, in the gospel of John, again, chapter 14, notice what Jesus said about the Holy Ghost in John 14 and verse 16. He said, I I will ask the father. This is why, let me pause here. This is why it cracks me up that I've had people say to me, you know, maybe you should kind of uh, stick to the main thing, you know, acting like, you know, maybe more doors would open for me if I would just streamline my message a little bit. Don't get so Holy Ghost. Don't get so signs, wonders. Don't get so manifestations of the power of God. You know, just stick to preaching Jesus. 
Just stick to preaching Jesus. And the funny thing to me is Jesus didn't even just preach Jesus. <laughs> Jesus said, my ministry's not even complete. I'm not even done doing what I was sent to do until I ask the father and he sends you the Holy Spirit. Do you realize, listen to this, realize this, Jesus mission was not completed until he sent the Holy Ghost. It was, it was not even done. You know, that's why he said, wait in Jerusalem until you are filled with power. He said, I'm going to go to heaven. I'll ascend. He spent time with them for 40 days after his resurrection. And then he ascended. And then 10 days later, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, he asked God and he sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. So look at this. I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. This is John 14, 16, another helper, an advocate or a counselor. Now look to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be with you. Mm Mm-hmm. You see that now go over to the 16th chapter of John. Hmm. I love this. I could break this down and talk about the fact that, um, in the word here is he, he, he will send you a paraclete and it's powerful. But I'm not, it would take me, it would take me time, but an advocate, he said, if I don't go away, the comforter will not come. Did you ever think of that? Well, what's he comforting you from? What's he giving you that other people don't have? He's giving you a peace that passes all understanding. That's the, that's one of the advantages of having the Holy ghost. He's your comforter and he leads and guides you into all truth. And notice this gives you a peace that passes all understanding. Do you know, obviously peace is a gift is, is a fruit of the Holy spirit. Galatians five. It's one of the nine fruit of the Holy spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, you know, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, faith, temperance. It's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So you can't truly have peace in all situations unless you've got the Holy Ghost assisting you and giving you that peace. And so notice this, no matter what's going on in the world, if you've got the Holy Ghost advantage, you have access to a peace that passes all understanding, literally goes beyond what the human mind can understand. You know, when you've got a spirit of peace on you, what I mean that is you're operating in that Holy Spirit peace. I don't want you to think it's like some weird other spirit that comes and gets on you. It's the Holy Spirit manifesting peace in your life. When you have access to that, even in the most severe situations when you should be deathly afraid, peace takes all that fear and anxiety away. 
I love how Jesus slept through a storm. I love how Peter slept through the night before his supposed execution. You know, Peter's asleep. They, they, are, they killed one of the Christians and it pleased the Jews, the Bible says. And when they saw how it pleased the Jews, they arrested Peter, put him in a jail cell, and so that he wouldn't escape, put him between two guards and chained him up. And he's in the middle of the night and the church is praying and God sends an angel to get Peter out of prison. And you'd think if you thought you were going to be executed, you'd be praying like crazy all through the night. Peter, the angel comes into the cell and Peter's there sleeping, sleeping, dead asleep. The angel had to strike him (laughs) and wake him up. Why? Peter was operating in a peace that passes all understanding. How do you sleep peacefully through the night before your supposed execution? How do you sleep on a boat when you're in the middle of a storm that's going to kill all of you? It's a piece that it goes beyond what you can understand. And there's people that'll see you that peaceful and think you're just irresponsible. I've had it happen to me. There's people that will see you that peaceful and just think irresponsible. You should be more worried about what's going on. Should I? Should I? Or is it a slap in the face to the power of God in my life to walk around worried all the time? Because doesn't worry basically say that I don't believe God's big enough to handle the situation? I mean, think about that. Isn't that basically what it is? I'm worried because I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. What are you saying? You don't believe God can take care of you? You don't believe God can deliver you. You don't believe God can bring you out of an issue. And so people say, oh, you, you should be, you should, you know, and and whatever, whatever way they may phrase it, they may not say you need to be more worried, but you know, you've had it said to you, well, you need, you need to be. And so I understand that. And that's important to know. That's why we take every thought captive. Paul taught. You take every thought captive and what do you do? Make it obey Jesus Christ. Make it obey Jesus Christ. So you might have those thoughts that the enemy tries to send to you. Worry, fear, doubt, panic. You take them captive and you make them obey Jesus Christ. I refuse to be afraid. I refuse to be worried. It's like Brother Hagin used to say, I've had marvelous opportunities to worry. He used to teach that. I've had wonderful opportunities to worry, get upset. But you know what you do? You refuse to give in to that uh, spirit of fear, panic, worry. You don't give into it. You take those thoughts captive and recognize I've got the Holy Spirit who is my advantage. So number one, you've got an eternal word. Number two, you've got an advantage over the attacks of this world, the power of the Holy Ghost. That's number two. The third thing that I want to show you is this. You have access to divine protection. You've got access to divine protection. It's part of the blessing of being a child of God. You know, one of the things that we see in scripture is that there were many times. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about persecution for preaching the gospel because that is something that Jesus prophesied 
would come upon his children. He said, you'll be hated all over the world for my name's sake. Persecution would come to the church. We have access to uh, documentation from antiquity now. We know what happened to many of the Christians for the first 300 years of the church is that they were heavily persecuted. There was a death sentence on being a Christian. You know, they would execute Christians and their families, feed them to lions, crucify them, cut them in hell, all these different terrible things. So Jesus wasn't talking about uh, persecution. However, we also have um, access to information that shows us in scripture that even though there was persecution, even in some times of persecution, there was deliverance from it. Like this uh, story of Peter that I'm talking about. They arrested Peter. Now, of course, we know from history that later uh, Peter was martyred for his faith. But in this instance, he wasn't done with his purpose yet. So God delivered him. God delivered him and kept him working, kept him doing what he was called to do. But look at these other things. What about sickness? What about disease? What about all these other things that are trying to come against the people of God? You have divine protection. What about accidents? What about calamity? You have divine protection. You know, when you look at Psalm 91, which is, uh, you know, needs to be looked at and understand this, it always blows my mind when you've got Christians that are like, well, you can't really use Psalm 91 during this whole lockdown and pandemic last year. There were people writing articles about that. Well, you can't really, the, the, New, the New Testament believer can't use Psalm 91. One guy wrote, the reason we can't use it is because the devil tried to use it when he was tempting Jesus and Jesus rebuked him for using Psalm 91. Yeah, because of the context in which the devil was using it uh, to tempt the Lord your God. You, you don't have God's protection so you can go jump off of the Empire State Building but when it comes to sickness, pestilence, disease, you have a covenant of healing with Christ and you have access to the protection of God from sickness and disease. You can use it, but it's not to jump off of a tall building like Satan was trying to get Jesus to do. Cast yourself down for it's written. He'll not even let your, uh, his angels won't let you dash your foot against the stone. Yeah. And he said, I rebuke you. Don't this, it's written. Don't tempt the Lord, your God. Well, of course, I'm not going to try to do that and scream Psalm 91 all the way down to the, as I plummet to my death, jump off the Psalm 91 until I, you know, fall into the pavement. But you, let me, let me say this to you because this needs to be said. Psalm 91 is old Testament. It's old covenant. Are you trying to tell me that they had a better covenant of protection than we have in the New Testament, literally, you're telling me that Old Testament followers of God who weren't even redeemed had a better covenant of protection than New Testament believers? When Hebrews tells us we have a better covenant established upon better promises. We have a high priest who shed his eternal blood that is an ever-present sacrifice in front of the father. You're telling me that under this new covenant as new creatures in Christ, we have a worse covenant of protection than they did in the old Testament. I don't think so. I don't think so. And so when you read this, understand this 
was given to Old Testament people. It should be better in our day. Well, what does the Bible say? It says this, which I love. Of course, we know the whole thing is regarding protection. God's our refuge. He is our fortress. But notice what he says. You will not, this is verse five and six. You'll not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, or the destruction that wastes at noonday. Verse seven, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. One of the things that stands out to me about that passage is it's not God taking you far from where the trouble is and separating you outside of the trouble. Notice, it seems to say here in this passage that trouble's all around you. A thousand are falling at your side. 10,000 are falling at your right hand, right here where you are. But in the midst of that, these things will not touch you. The question I've asked people, did God actually have to take Israel out of Egypt before the plagues could fall? No, they were in Egypt when every one of the plagues were taking place. What about the death angel? When everybody started to die, did he have to remove them from Egypt before the death angel walked through? No, they were in Egypt where the death was happening where the plagues were happening, but it did not touch them. Catch that. The blood was on their door. There was a marking that separated them as a group of people who were not there to receive that punishment. And so what happened? The uh, death angel had to pass over them and go somewhere else. They were in the midst of it, but they didn't participate in it. Come on. Put it in the comments. I'm in the midst of it, but I'm not participating. Write it in the comments because this is something more people need to catch all around America and around the world. I'm in the midst of it. I'm not participating in Jesus name. I'm in the midst of it. I'm not participating. That needs to be your declaration today. I'm in the midst of it but I'm not participating. Let me ask you a question. Where are you going to go in the world where there's not trouble? Where are you going to go? We live in probably the freest nation. If you're watching from the United States, it's probably the most free of any nation. It's probably the most protected of any nation, but even in the midst of the United States, we have plenty of trouble. There's still high murder rates. There's still rioting. There's still looting. There's still crime. There's still in every place. What are you going to do? Where are you going to go to escape trouble? Nowhere. And in fact, it's going to increase as you see the day of the Lord approaching, but I'm in the midst of it. I'm not participating. I don't have to participate in the crises of the world. What business does a child of God have participating in the crises of the world? None, none. What's the point of having a redeemer if you have to live like everybody else who doesn't have a redeemer? What's the point? It's foolishness. So we understand that not only do we have an eternal word, number one, 
Not only do we have a Holy Ghost advantage, number two, but number three, we also have divine protection. That's afforded to us. Divine protection. Let me give you number four. Also, on top of the divine protection, we have, there's my friend Rob Conover. I love you so much, man. On top of that, number four, we are people that are not, as the Bible says, appointed unto wrath. Just write it this way. Number four, wrath is not for me. Put it in the comments. Wrath is not for me. So if you're somehow worried about, um, you know, well, you know, and I've heard preachers preach this. I honestly have. It blows my mind. This is number four now. Number four, wrath is not for me. Number four, wrath is not for me. So I've heard preachers preach this stuff and they'll say like, for example, I heard him preach it about COVID. You know, COVID is God judging America. COVID is God judging the world. Really? God's judging the world through COVID. God's judging the world with hurricanes. God's judging the world with earthquakes. So here's a question for you. If God is judging the world with evil things like earthquakes and pestilence, famine, um, poverty, uh, COVID, whatever else. Here's a question for you. What do you say to all of the people who are Christians, whose they or their family members have died? What do you say? The fires in California. What do you say to those that are Christians who had Christian businesses that burnt down because of the fires in Florida or in uh, California? What do you say to people around the world that a, uh, some sort of a natural disaster took them out or killed them? What do you say to people that are going, are you going to tell them, well, yes, we understand that Jesus took your sins on the cross and canceled the debt, Colossians chapter two, canceled the debt by nailing it to the cross so that you are now forgiven. However, even though you're forgiven and you're a new creation in Christ and he's removed your sins from you as far as the East is from the West, God's still going to let you get in on his judgment. And now you've died. And now your family's been destroyed. Your business has been destroyed. Your your loved ones taken out. You're going to say that if God's judging the world with these things, how do you explain that judgment bleeding over onto children of God. See, it's not God's judgment. What do you think? God's just a bad shot. You think God has bad aim up in heaven? Oh shoot. I meant to hit the unbelievers. I meant, I meant to hit the wicked people and I hit my own children. You think God's a bad, he has bad accuracy? No. And you look at these things and you think, well, as to judgment of God, God's doing that. No, it's not that because here's the thing. And I understand that part of this context is eternal wrath, but it all falls into this because in first Thessalonians, Paul is talking about the day of the Lord and he's giving them, uh, encouragement, not fear, encouragement. And he said, uh, verse eight, this is first Thessalonians five, eight, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober 
having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation for God. This is verse nine. Now first Thessalonians five, nine for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord, Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we're awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another, build one another up just as you are doing. So this is talking again about the day of the Lord in context. It's talking about this final judgment. But let me ask you a question. Any judgment of God cannot be for the child of God, for we are not appointed under wrath. Thank you, Janine, for sowing a seed. No judgment of God can be for the child of God because we are not appointed under wrath, whether temporary or eternal wrath. We're not appointed. We're not appointed. How could it be just? Let me ask you a question. How in the world would it be just for God to put the penalties of sin upon the body of Jesus Christ and then nail him to the cross? have him beaten beyond recognition, pierced in the side, hands and feet pierced, crown of thorns on his head, stripes upon his back. How could that all be just that Jesus paid the penalty for sin? And then he said, yeah, but you know what? In 2020, I'm actually going to take some of that penalty back off of Jesus and penalize some of my children that are on the earth and put some judgment out there and just let them suffer and be destroyed. That's not just. God already had Jesus pay the penalty for sin. It's what we're celebrating uh, this Sunday. You know, last Sunday, Palm Sunday, he entered into Jerusalem, into uh, this coming Sunday where we're celebrating death, burial, resurrection of Christ Jesus. The reason every one of us can be children of God. It would be unjust. God doesn't do that. Imagine going to a restaurant, eating your whole meal, and then paying the bill, and then as you're walking to your car, the waiter or the manager runs out into the parking lot and says, hey, I want you to pay the bill. And you say, well, I've already paid the bill. Yeah, I know you have, but I want you to pay it again. You're not required to pay it again. If it's paid, it's paid. You understand that? If it's paid, it's paid. You wouldn't be, even if the police showed up, you've got the receipt. You're not required to pay twice. And neither is Jesus and neither are you. If Jesus paid, you don't have to pay. And so the judgment of God is not for you. It's for those who reject Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. So the fourth reason you don't need to worry is because God's wrath is not for you. God's wrath is not for you. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to throw some hands up in the comment section and thank the Lord Thank the Lord that you're not appointed under wrath. You ought to thank God that his wrath is not for you. That's exciting. That'll make you run. That'll make you dance in your own house. Don't dance on the gas pedal if you're driving a car because the troopers, the state troopers don't understand the explanation when they pull you over. Trust me. That's speaking from experience. Number five, 
So let me break, break them down quickly again. Number one, you have an eternal preexistent word. Don't have to worry. Number two, you got a Holy Ghost advantage. Don't need to worry. Number three, you've got divine protection promised to you. Don't need to worry. Number four, God's wrath is not for you. Don't need to worry. And number five, let me give it to you now. Number five, we are commanded in the Bible not to worry. Go with me to Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four. We are commanded in the Bible not to worry. Commanded. And I want you to see it with me. Let's start Philippians chapter four. We'll start with verse number four. And then we're going to show you how not to worry at the end of this, ver- of the, this chapter here. So let's start with verse four. Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say rejoice. Verse five, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Verse six, do not be anxious. Here it is. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. By the way, there's the verse that blows away unspoken prayer requests. (laughs) There's no such thing as an unspoken prayer request. You're to make your requests known to God. This is one of the reasons you don't have to worry, because you've got a God who can do, is able to do, exceeding abundantly and above all you could ask or think. So when you make your requests known to him, He loves to answer your prayers. How do I know? Because he loves to get the glory. And Jesus taught in John 15 that when your prayers are answered, it brings much glory to the Father. John 15, 8. It brings much glory to the Father. He loves to answer your prayers. He loves to get the glory. And the the reason you shouldn't be worried here is you're commanded not to be. You can make your requests known unto God if you're dealing with something. And God can answer your prayers and take the glory for what he does. Now look at this. Bible says, hmm, verse seven, and the peace of God, here we are, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You are guarded by the peace of God. Your mind is guarded. Your peace of your heart is guarded through Christ Jesus. So I want you to see now, because he's, he's not necessarily, this does not really mean something different. He's still on this thought. Verse eight, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I want you to catch that. You're in control of what you think about. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's that's so simple. That sounds elementary. Yeah, but how come people are so controlled in their mind that they let someone else guide their thought process? They let the news guide their thought process. They let social media guide their thought process. They let the numbskull at work guide their thought process. Why? Because they're not controlling what they think about. Amen. Look at this. He said, think about 
these things. Think about which things. Again, if it's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's excellence, if it's worthy of praise, think about these things. Amen. Amen. I want you to put this in the comments section. Control your thoughts. Put it in the comments section. Control your thoughts. Now look at this. Here's another thought as you're doing that. Let me show you something. Verse nine, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. That's it. Put it in the comments. Control your thoughts. Can you see here as he's breaking this down? First, don't worry. Control your thoughts. And then look what he said here in the ninth verse. And what you've learned, received, and heard, and seen in me, practice these things. So don't fear. Control your thoughts. And then do the things I taught you to do. And if you'll do that, look what he said. And the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. So one of the things we have to see is we're commanded not to fear, but the way we do that is we control the intake. We control our meditations, control your meditations, control your meditations, control your meditations, control your meditations. That's so vital. My father who's watching right now. Hi dad. I love you. He was having a, 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 a revival during the nineties, the 1990s. And, uh, this was during the, uh, the Middle East, the desert storm conflict, the, uh, in the Persian Gulf. And you remember desert storm, if you're old enough to remember it. And, uh, this wife came to my dad and the revival said, would you pray for my husband? Uh, the devil's really been attacking his mind and his nerves. And he said, I'd be happy to bring him here. I'll, I'll pray for him. And when he came up, he looked like he was on the edge of a nervous breakdown, shaken, nerve shot, worried. And to get a little background, my dad said, what's, what's been going on? How'd this come on you? And the guy said, I don't know. He said, I just been at home and he had all the televisions in his house <laughs> tuned to the major news networks so he could see all three. And he said, I just said that my wife makes me pots of coffee. I drink coffee and watch the news. And I've not been doing much other than that. Well, he's sitting there. Look what's going on. First of all, filling his body with caffeine. And secondly, just taking in a nonstop stream of the report of the world. A nonstop stream of the report of the world. It's not a demon. It's just foolishness. Stupidity. You understand when they came back, because this does matter greatly when it comes to you walking in peace, huge, it's huge. I've talked about that. I believe yesterday we touched on it again, a little bit on the two reports that came out of the promised land, the evil report and the report of faith. But notice it, that what they heard, that was their news. It was the first ever evidence of fake news in the Bible. Before there was fake news on CNN, there was fake news in the book of Numbers. Because the, the true news was, I've already given you the land. I've already given you the promise. Go in and take it. The fake news was, 
We're not able to take it. There's giants in there. They're mightier than we are. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. We can't do it. Fake news. That was fake news. And notice what happened. The whole assembly of Israel chose to believe the fake news. And do you see what happened to them? Because they believed that, what did it cause them to do? Start grumbling against God and start grumbling against Moses and it ticked God off. God was so upset with their grumbling and their doubt of his promise. He said, I will let every last one of you under 20 years old die and be buried out here in the wilderness. You'll stay out here for 40 years till you're dead, every last one of you. And I'll let the younger ones take the promise. And what was the source of their worry and their grumbling and their anxiety? They believed the wrong report. They believed the wrong report. So what are we doing? Control your thoughts, control your meditations, control your meditations, control your meditations. If you'll do it like Paul was teaching here, then the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. God's not in control of your thoughts. You're in control of your thoughts. Let me say it again. God's not in control of your thoughts. You're in control of your thoughts. And you've got to, that's why Paul taught, set your mind on things above. Set your mind. You got to set it. Set it. Set your mind on things above. I'm sure you've heard this analogy before. But when you go into your house and you set the thermostat, it changes everything else around it. That one change changes everything else around it. And then the thermostat changes what you feel, what, what's around. It's, it's not, it, notice this, it doesn't happen. You don't feel different and then change it. You change it and then you feel different. Notice that if you're hot and you come in to your house, or some of you might be cold right now, especially if you're in Northern Maine, you come in, you're cold, and you're like, ooh, I'm so, if you're cold, you don't say, I'm hot, so I'm going to change it to be hotter in here. No, you're cold. But before it gets hot, before it gets warmer in your house, there's a change that needs to be made. You just adjust that thermostat to the desired, notice this, to the desired temperature. And what takes place, not long from then, your body will feel the effects of the change you made. And that's what, here's where many Christians fail in the battlefield of the mind. And they'll continue. Do you know, I preached this. I preached this all this year. Psychologists had to come up with a new term during 2020 for people that were being extremely affected by their social media feeds, and they called it doom scrolling. You've heard me mention it before, doom scrolling, that people would get so sucked into their Twitter feed, Facebook feed, whatever, Instagram feed, all these negative headlines, and they couldn't stop scrolling. And it was like, as long, the longer they kept scrolling, the worse reports they're seeing, and it's affecting their mind. I mean, if you can see the world noticing this, doom scrolling, Doom scrolling, doom scrolling to the point where these companies that aren't even Christian companies understand they're not even, Apple, Apple computers is not a Christian company, but even they, when they build the iPhone have built into the software, something called screen time 
so that you can see how much time you're spending so that you know you're spending too much time on your phone in these apps. They'll say, they have apps now that will literally lock you out because people can't stop going back. They got to go get their hit. It's like a hit of bad news. It's like a hit and they're spending so much time and psychologists are telling us now they're doom scrolling. They can't, it's affecting their minds. Control your meditations, control your thoughts, step away, get into the word of God, pray in the Holy ghost, pray in your known language and get into the presence of God. Praise him till his presence. That is fullness of joy fills your atmosphere. Turn the thermostat and your whole being will be different. One of the reasons I'm never in fear, never in panic, never in depression is that not only do we not watch the news, we don't even turn cable on in our house. Not ever, not ever. The only time it ever gets on is if we have a visitor at our house that wants to turn something on, we'll give it to them. But I literally, there is zero time, zero. And I do mean that ultimately zero that I'm ever watching the news, cable television. I don't, I don't, I'm very, and I'm sure you are too, very careful. You curate what goes into your spirit. I'm not going to do that. In fact, even with my Twitter feed, I only look at those things that I want to see. Meaning I don't follow things that are just spewing out bad news all the time. I don't follow it. Don't need to see it. Cause here's my thought. I would rather be ignorant for a short while of things that are going on in the world than I would have them bombard my mind and overtake my thought process. I know ministers that, um, that they can't use it positively. They use it negatively. So I, I know ministers that like, literally they'll keep, this is no lie. Cause I've been behind the scenes. I know ministers that'll keep the news on, on the TV in their office of the church. And they're, they're in there on Sunday morning. They may have the volume off, but all the he- headlines, everything's showing and they're pre- trying to prepare themselves to go preach. And they'll see something in the news or hear something in the news. They'll tick them off. And then they go, they go out of their spirit, man, into the soul, into the soul realm. They'll hit the pulpit and immediately start spewing stuff out of their soul because they're irritated about something they saw in the news. They'll do 45 minutes on something that ticked them off before they came out to the platform. That's a waste of your time. It's a waste of your time. Curate what's coming into your spirit, man. Curate what's coming into your heart. Set your mind, control your meditations, and then practice the things that the word of God teaches. And the Bible says, and then the God of peace will be with you. You don't have to worry. You've got a word. You've got the Holy Ghost. You've got protection. The wrath of God's not for you. And you've got a command to control your mind and to not fear. And I'm telling you, the enemy's done his best to try to bring a spirit of fear and heaviness upon the body of Christ. And I'm telling you, it's a lie from hell. It's a lie from hell. You don't have to be afraid as a Christian. You don't have to be worried. You don't have to be depressed. And I'm going to pray for those of you today that are watching because I know it. Everywhere I've gone, we've called it out and people are in droves coming to the altar to be touched because they know the enemies attacked their mind in the last 18 months. So I'm going to tell you right now, the power of God is coming upon you today with new joy, new peace. Worry has to leave. Depression has to leave. And today 
the God of peace is taking care of you. Father, I pray for every person watching. I take authority over a spirit of fear and I take authority over a spirit of heaviness, the things the enemy would try to use to destroy God's people. We thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so Lord, I speak joy. I loose a spirit of joy, what your word calls the oil of gladness. I loose it to every man and woman watching today or listening on the podcast. Receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. I lose peace to every heart. I command a spirit of fear to loose its grip and let go in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, for those that are battling, we've had testimonies come in, but there's also been prayer requests. And so, Lord, for those that haven't gotten their testimony yet, and they're still battling, I loose the anointing of God to their body and to their, uh, to their home where they are. I take authority, as this man wrote in earlier, still in the hospital, still battling with COVID, wants to come to the service Saturday night. Heal his body. Heal those that are struggling and suffering right now, Lord. In Jesus' name, we send the virtue of heaven, the oil of joy, the power of the Holy Ghost. Touch your people in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. We give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. And if you receive it, throw some fire up in the comments section. Shout where you are. Give God some praise. Don't worry about who's around you. (laughs) Just give God. Scare the person in the cubicle next to you. And give God some glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, peace is priceless. Peace is priceless. What good does it do to have a ton of money and just be destroyed in your mind? What good does it do to be healthy in your body, but destroyed in your mind? What good does it do to, you know, have all these things working for you, have a great job, but destroyed in your mind? Peace is priceless. Guard your peace. Guard your peace. If you've got relationships that are infringing upon your peace, think twice about them. Some of the best things you could do, block people on social media and block certain numbers of people that are always in drama. I'm serious. Guard your peace. Guard your peace. Amen. I want you to ask the Lord today about what you could sow by faith. This is such a a vital time right now. This is such a vital time. Jesus is coming so soon. There's work to be done. We're doing it together. I thank God for you. I truly believe God has connected us. The Victory Tribe is, is not by accident. God has connected us by his spirit. And we're doing the work of God together. And so I'm saying thank you to everybody that's standing with us, all of our partners and every friend of this ministry that has prayed, fasted, that has sown. I love you. Carolyn loves you. But I'm going to encourage you today, if you're watching this, you've not yet had a chance to partner with this ministry. I want to encourage you to partner with us. You know what we've asked the Lord to do? Attach to us a thousand people. And that's not a lot of people. A thousand people that would sow $85 a month or more. Thank you, Ruby. $85 a month or more to stand with us before it's too late. Jesus is coming very soon and there's work to be done. And that's what we're doing. The work of the Lord. You're standing with us because it's not a a one man show. It's not about superstars in the body of Christ. It's about the family of God. In this case, the victory tribe doing the work of God together. You know, what's great about that. The Bible teaches that the same 
reward that comes upon Carolyn and I for taking and preaching the gospel and seeing people changed, it also comes upon you for sending it, for sowing and for connecting with this ministry in that way. If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. You know what that scripture is teaching us? That though you're not a prophet, the reward that comes upon the prophet comes upon you. And though I'm not a prophet, I'm an evangelist, but the evangelist reward will come upon you, come upon your family. And so I want you to pray right now and ask the Lord to give you an instruction. What do you, what should you give today? What is he leading you to do by faith? And there on the screen, you can see how to sow. You can always use miracleword.com. Wherever you are in the world, you can sow. Um, Elizabeth said, I have a question. You, have you heard of a private prayer group? Is that something new? I don't know what that means. You have to explain, Elizabeth. Uh, Yanil said, I want to sow today. You can always use miracleword.com. PayPal's available and Zelle, if you'd like to do a Zelle transfer, for those that use that, the email's the same as PayPal. Info at miracleword.com. Cash App and Venmo, both the same username, MWGive. And if you're on Twitter or Facebook today, hashtag donate works as well in the comments section. And I want to say thank you. Um, we are going to send you this powerful book by Brother Hagin, The Will of God in Prayer. Powerful book. And here's a man that understood prayer. This is our gift to those partnering in the month of March. Go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and please fill out the form so we can get this book to you. And I believe, and I, I believe this in my spirit, God is sending people to this ministry that are going to be sowing largely. We've got some big things coming up in the future, very big things. And I believe God's speaking to some people to sow $10,000. Some will sow $25,000. I believe there's people that are getting ready to sow $50,000 into this ministry. And I want to encourage you, if the Lord's leading you, don't think that's crazy. There are people that sow largely because God's blessed them to do so. You know the story about this, uh, just one of the times I could give you, is when we signed for this building that we're sitting in, this, this uh, studio, one partner sent a check and paid for the entire year of this building in one check. And so, uh, thank you, Destiny. And so people are sowing largely. There's people that are sowing $5,000, $10,000. Don't be more than that. Do what the Lord's directing you to do. There are people that God has blessed them. See, that's why I always emphasize the fact that everyone's on a different level. Maybe the the very best you can do for the Lord today is $100. And that's where you're at. That is a big move of faith for you. Do it. But that's not everybody. There's people that are watching that a big move for you would not be $100. It would be $10,000. Some people that are watching, a big move for you would not be $10,000. It would be $100,000. But do what the Lord is speaking to you to do. And as you do it, the blessing's coming back. Amen. Seed time and harvest doesn't end. It continues. And so you can't stop God's co covenant. The devil can't stop it. Demons can't stop it. Governments can't stop it. And that's exciting to know. And uh, literally, even if you'd like to do a wire transfer, I know sometimes when people sow largely, they'd prefer to do a wire transfer. You can contact us. All of our information's on the website and we'll help you get through that. Also, for those of you that have a whole lot of faith, and would love to use the United States Postal Service to send a check in the mail. You can, that's right, Todd. Janine, that must be Janine. 
Kyle said one million. There might be people sowing a million. I, I receive it. I, that is not too big in my mind. I believe that. Seeds of a million are coming in. In Jesus' name. Um, those of you that want to trust in the post office, you'd like to mail a check, all of the web pages on our website have the physical address at the bottom of the page. The P.O. box that you can send it to, you can make your checks payable to Miracle Word uh, Ministries, and you can be uh, receipted for that giving at the end of every year. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and, and you can obviously list all these seeds on your taxes as well. We love you guys so much. Uh, once again, new magazines launching in just a couple of weeks. You can sign up. The brand new app is available in the app store. It's absolutely free. If you already have our app on your phone, it should be updated for you. You don't even have to update. You can just look in and see all the new changes that are being made. It's beautiful. It looks absolutely beautiful. Tons of new content being added. Uh, all the Miracle Word Kids stuff. There's a new video dropping tomorrow for the kids. And um, all this content is now available in the app. You will absolutely love it. Has everything you need. Even if you're doing your Bible study with us, there's not only Bibles in the app, but we've got, it'll read the Bible to you in the app. We've got all kinds of stuff uh, exclusively as well. Very soon, um, you'll, you'll be able to see Miracle Word Television. This will be the only place that you'll be able to see it online. It's not going to be on YouTube. It's not going to be on Facebook. Um, the, the, the broadcast that we're airing around the world, this will be the exclusive place where you'll be able to see all of our television broadcasts um, as well as where they're airing around the world. But if you want to watch it, we have people ask all the time, where can I watch Miracle Word TV? Right here on the app, as well as Miracle Word Radio. There's so much free content for you guys inside the app. So if you don't have it, grab it. It's free in both app stores, Google Play, Apple, App Store. And uh, I, know, I know you'll love it. There's so much in there. Thanks, Lena. Lena said the update it was awesome. I appreciate that. We love you guys so much. Uh, I'll see you again tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. Have a blessed and a wonderful day. I'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.